0: As we come again before the very Word of God, if you'd like to read with me, we'll be in 1 John chapter 4 this morning. We have just a few verses to take up today. 1 John chapter 4. But before we read, would you please pray with me? Lord, you are in your holy temple. You are at the throne in heaven, and you see all. Your eyes are on the children of man, so we know that you see us here. Lord, in this time, would you test our hearts? By your word and your spirit, would you conform us to your righteousness? Holy Spirit, would you guide us now in truth? Help us to see the glory of Jesus and to praise you for it. We ask this grace in Jesus' name. Amen. This is first John in chapter four. We'll take up this morning these first six 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 verses. And so first John chapter four will begin in verse one. Beloved Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of God. Now, in this section... The Word of God gives us a clear call here, which is test the spirits. Test the spirits. That's the call. So the natural follow up question is how? How do I do that? We'll get to that uh, point soon, but let me back up just a little bit. In the section right before this, we're given a test, not for the spirits, but for ourselves. And the way that we're to test ourselves is through the work of the heart, the voice of conscience in us. That our conscience either condemns us or comforts us before God. And in doing that, the conscience given by God is calling us back to the path of righteousness and love. If we failed the test, that we are to be brought back in. But now John turns from this internal test of the self to an external test, a test of the spirits. Now, this call, where he says test the spirits is immediately confusing, I know, to some people. Some people, maybe even some, maybe all of you, I don't know, are thinking, when, when do I ever even encounter spirits to be able to test them? You know, is this when I, you know, when I see a strange blur in the sky? You know, is this one of those moments where some strange uh, creature visits me at my door? Or, I, or maybe when I get some eerie feeling in the middle of the night? That is not what this is about at all. We are not talking about some invisible, otherworldly beings here. John is talking about interactions with everyday humans. He's given us in this section groups of of people. He even includes himself in the group to be tested. He uses terms like we and they. So the test is to speak to people. But in speaking to those people, we test the spirit. That is, we're going deeper to the root of each person's influence. We're checking the source of the person's influence as either a spirit of truth or a spirit, a spirit of error. So this test that he gives us is not on a spectrum do you notice that? It's not like a color wheel where you can kind of have red, blue. You can have red-blue, which we call purple, or violet, or periwinkle. We've also got blue-green. We've got orange-yellow or, or, uh, and all those things. It's not a spectrum like a color wheel. This test is a dichotomy with only two groups, black and white, this or that. You can hear the two groups all the way through it. One group, we are to believe, another group, we are to not believe. One group has prophets. The other group has false prophets. One confesses Jesus Christ in the flesh. The other does not confess Jesus Christ in the flesh. One has the spirit of Christ. One has the spirit of Antichrist. One is from God. The other is from the world. One you are to listen to. The other the world listens to. One has the spirit of truth. And one has the spirit of error. There's lots of differences amongst these two groups. And even though these two groups are complete opposites, they share one thing in common here. That we are to test them all. All of it. Test every spirit, he says, to really see who it is, who it's from. Test the spirit so that you won't believe everyone. Now, I need to interrupt this for a moment to give an important note about belief. In the Bible, general belief by itself is never encouraged. In the Bible, belief by itself is never encouraged. That's the opposite of what some people think. Some people think you're just supposed to believe. Just believe. No. Just have faith. No. Just trust. No. Any of those things, belief, faith, trust, any of those, they can be, and often are, very good, but they can also be very, very bad. It all depends on what you're believing in. So Christians, we're often called believers. But we should be more specific what we're believing, right? We're believers in Jesus. Christians are believers in Jesus because Jesus is always true. Jesus is always reliable. Jesus is always trustworthy. We are also believers in the Bible, Because it's the word of God, and God is always true. God is always reliable. God is always trustworthy. Those are good, well-placed beliefs. But if someone came up to me and told me that the world is flat, and I believed them, I'd be a fool. If someone came up to me and told me that the Holocaust of World War II was fake and I believed them, I'd be a fool. If someone came up to me and told me that God is so loving that he could never send anyone to hell and I believed them, I would be a fool. So listen to me then. Listen. What you believe is just as important as what you disbelieve. What you believe is just as important as what you disbelieve. Both are vital for every person. That we learn to believe truth, but also to disbelieve error. And if we're to do that, we must, must test the Spirits. You cannot afford to live an untested life. If you do not test the Spirits, you will cause great harm to yourself. You will do damage to your community. And most of all, you will have disobeyed and dishonored God. God calls you to this and gives you discernment to do it. Now, I need to acknowledge that different personalities are going to have different responses to this at least internally and probably also externally. When we hear there's a call to test the spirits, some people will press against that internally because naturally some people are part of what I'll call the go-along gang. These people just... Don't want to make waves, don't want to upset people, don't want to step on toes. Or, or maybe they think it's really not that big a deal, so we're just kind of let things ride. Maybe it's not worth the, the time or the energy that it might take to do this. A- and so I'd rather just go along. And this person's going to get whisked away into every whim of belief they may encounter. Some are part of the go-along go gang. Other people are, have the opposite default. Some people are naturally members of the fight club. Almost kind of enjoy constantly having that, that squinty, skeptical eye about, about everything. These are people that, that have kind of a natural ninja uh, pose, kind of constantly poised for battle, ready to just chop down every tiny little nitpicky idea they might meet. They, these are the kind of people that tend to overuse the word actually. You know what I'm talking about? They hear something and they go, well, actually. <laughs> hear anything. Well, actually feel the need to constantly correct to an incessant degree, that's a person who's a member of the fight club. Now, both of these types of responses, the go-along gang and the fight club, might feel natural, but they are immature. Neither one of these groups really does true testing. They just take a shortcut down easy street. The go-along gang defaults to automatically accept every spirit. It's a fast yes. The fight club defaults to automatically reject every spirit. It's a fast no. Neither one really does the work to actually listen to and test the spirits. They do not even allow space for the Spirit of God to help us to discern whether to believe or to disbelieve. And so, as a result, these people often get it wrong and follow wrong things. There is a better way than the go-along gang or the fight club. We can just call it the test team. Be part of the test team. I call it a team because this is something we're to participate in, but we do not do this by ourselves. The command to test here in verse 1, test the spirits. You can't see it in English, but in the Greek, it's plural. You all test the spirits. We're to to do this in the context of community. Together as a church, we're testing the Spirit. And, And that testing does require a bit of work from you. It requires your attention to do it. But you don't have to be an expert. You know, this is not this is not uh, Sherlock Holmesing everything out. You don't have to be a sleuth or some big detective to do it. We're given a relatively simple test of the spirits, and we find it in verse, uh, verses two and three. Let me read them again. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. If you're the kind of person that likes to write in your Bible and you've got your own Bible and not just one from the pews, mark the words in verse 2 because they're the critical part. The one that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That's the operative part. That's the main point of how we do this test. And that seems simple enough, doesn't it? Now that seems doable. That's a doable test, tests that, uh, you know, they confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And it's true. This is a doable test, especially with the help of the Spirit's wisdom within us. At the same time, you know, always, there's some complexity in the confession. It's a good test, but it's not a blanket test that's going to cover every single thing. You know, John, in talking here, has a very particular set of circumstances in mind. He's addressing a particular people with particular spirits that have been causing problems. So this is not going to cover every single particular situation that we might encounter. We know even from the whole of the scripture that there are times when even demons... Confess, in some sense that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? I could go a lot of places to look at this, but there's one scene in John chapter 4. So Jesus has been casting out many demons. Where is it? Verse uh, 41. Uh, we read, And demons also came out of many, crying, You, Jesus, you are the Son of God, But Jesus rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So clearly, even demons know these sorts of things and tremble at them, we're told in James. Clearly, John then doesn't intend us to go, well, demons believe in Jesus, I guess they pass the test, and they're from God. No, we know that this test by itself is good, but it's not sufficient for every single thing. This test cannot tell us all of who is part of the spirit of truth, but it can tell us who isn't. Let me give you an example. We can think of it this way. So we've had some water problems... Lately, locally, right? Lots of controversy and a uh, b- bunch of people up up in arms about this. I don't really know how any of that works, but I do know that, that if I want to test water to see if it's good and safe to drink, what's the first thing I, as a lay person, am probably going to do? Look at it. And maybe, maybe s- see it, smell it, maybe? Because the very first sign would be to check if it's clear. Check if the water is is transparent. Now even if the water is clear, there still might be things that I can't see in there. There might be chemicals, there might be bacteria, it might be salt water, uh, for all I know. So if the water is clear, that doesn't tell me that it absolutely is safe to drink. But if it's not clear, If I get water that's murky or cloudy, that tells me it's probably not safe to drink. In a similar way, John gives us a test of, of murkiness, we could call it, to see what's undrinkable. If we're dealing with spiritual matters with folks, we check if the person confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, and if the person does not confess that, that's cloudy water. Don't drink it. That spirit is not from God. At the very center, of this test of the spirits is Jesus. He's the heart of the test, specifically doctrines about Jesus, beliefs about Jesus. So just like the the clarity of water can bring us immediate insight to discern if it's drinkable, the clarity about Jesus can bring us immediate insight in discerning the spirits. The test of the spirits is mainly based on Jesus, not a whole bunch of other things. There are lots of other things that people try to use to test the spirits, but this test is not based on them. Let me give you just a few quick ones that people often use to test if a spirit's reliable. Sometimes people will use a test of, I'll call it phenomenon. If there's a, ooh, a thunderclap Or some great healing or miracle or some supernatural power, then then that must be from God. Now, perhaps that might give us a clue into the nature of the spirits, but, but you remember way back in the Exodus days of Egypt that the pagan Egyptian magicians were able to turn their staffs into snakes just like Moses could. Phenomenon does not prove the spirit. That's one that doesn't quite work. Another that doesn't quite work is a test of passion. If a person has a lot of zeal, fervor, intensity about a thing, the more passionately they talk about it, the more true it must be. We know if we think about it, that's a lot of nonsense. Even when 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 Jesus said, you know, the time when he says to his disciples, hey, I have to suffer and die. And then Peter says very passionately, Lord, may it never be. That's never going to happen. We won't let it. Jesus doesn't praise that passion. He says, Peter, you get behind me. Because that spirit that's just come from you is of Satan. We also don't really want a test of popularity. We teach our kids this. It's a good thing to do so. We should teach ourselves this. You know, that if a lot of people believe it, it doesn't make it true. We're told here that the whole world listens to the spirit of error. There are many, many beliefs that are common, but they are still wrong. A test of popularity doesn't work, nor does I have two more, they'll be quick. A test of being part of the church. Hmm. This one's a little too close to home. There's, you know, we know the church holds the keys to the kingdom. We have the spirit in and among us. We have the very word of God, but there are still sometimes wolves among the sheep. That's the reason why John, earlier here in this writing, he said, many antichrists, not just one, many antichrists went out from among us. They didn't start in the world and end in the world. They were part of the church in some sense. So being part of the church doesn't necessarily make it a spirit of truth. And then the last one I'll mention is a position of authority in the church. It's so personal, especially to me. Even church leaders and church elders, Lord help us, can lack a spirit of truth and have a spirit of error. There are true prophets, but there are also false prophets. And the, the Apostle Paul, at various points, sometimes mockingly even, calls certain people these super-apostles, he says. Oh, these super-apostles that are going around teaching people, they have a different spirit, they have a different gospel, and they are headed down a different road to destruction. So a position of authority in the church doesn't necessarily make it Right? So what we're looking for in discerning the spirits is not a test of a phenomenon, not a test of passion, not a test of popularity, not a test of participation or prestige or power in the church. This is a test of belief. A test of belief, what we believe and hold true specifically about Jesus That's why Jesus, at one point, asked his disciples, point blank, who do you say I am? Because that very much matters. He asked them, who do you say I am? So now we ask the spirits, who do you say Christ is? Do you believe he is Jesus, the Christ who has come in the flesh? That's the test. And we can do that. This is simple enough, but there are really deep wells in this simple statement that Jesus has come in the flesh. Let me look at just two parts of this testing belief, and then we'll wind down and finish here. If the test is to see if they believe Christ has come in the flesh, let's look at two pieces of that. There's a belief that Christ has come. Christ has come, which is to say he was elsewhere, somewhere else, but now he has come to earth. Just from that one word, he has come, we confess that Christ is more than a man, It's part of the reality that that Christ is the very word who was in the beginning. That all things were made through him. That he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He doesn't just receive life. He doesn't just come to life. Jesus is the life and the author of life. Jesus tells us that before Abraham was born, I am, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, I'm the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the one who was and is and is to come. I have come once and I will come again. Jesus Christ has come. But it's more than that. The second part of this twin truth is Christ has come in the flesh. In the flesh. When Jesus came, he became truly man. True body and true soul. Not just one who looked like a man. Not just one who puts on the shell of a man like a turtle, not just one who takes some pre-existing man and possesses his body, he is one who has come in the flesh himself. He is incarnate man. Jesus has been born of a woman in the long line of Adam. He took his first gasp of air in life's first cry, just like the rest of us. Jesus as man had to increase in wisdom and in stature. And because Jesus is in the flesh, he could sweat, he could bleed, he could tire, he could sleep, he could cry, he could hunger, he could and did die. A physical, painful death of great suffering. Jesus put on every single weakness of humanity except that he was without sin. So to confess that Jesus is the Christ who has come in the flesh is to confess one of the central, most mysterious truths of the Scripture that Jesus is both God and man. That Jesus is Emmanuel who is God with us. There are many people, ones who are of the world, who do not believe this. Many who may confess some sort of Jesus, but not this sort of Jesus Jesus who is God and man. You know, Muslims don't believe that Jesus is the Christ who has come in the flesh. Modern-day Jews don't believe that Jesus is the Christ who has come in the flesh. Buddhists and Hindus don't believe that Jesus is the Christ who has come in the flesh. Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is the Christ who has come in the flesh. Atheists and agnostics don't believe it. Spiritualists and mystics don't believe it. Non-religious and couldn't-care-lesses don't believe it. There are even many people who claim the name of Jesus who don't really believe it. That is everywhere. The spirit of error is never far from your ears. But don't believe it. Don't believe those, but test all the spirits to see if they're from God. It is not your place to decide that person's final destiny. Jesus himself will be the one to divide the sheep from the goats with with perfect wisdom and mercy. But it is your place, listen, it is your place to discern the spirits so that you will follow God and not the world. So give each spirit just this simple test. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? Is he the God-man? Is he the Christ who has come in the flesh? That is how we will know whether a spirit is from God. And if one confesses that Jesus is the Christ who has come in the flesh, that confession is from God, and we should listen. Pray with me. Lord, we are well aware, not only from your word, but also from our experience, that the the world is full of the voices of the spirit of error. But Jesus, you have overcome the world because you are greater Jesus, would you stay in the center of our minds, in the center of our hearts? Help us to wisely, kindly, boldly test the spirits so that we would continue to follow you in truth. Guide us in this, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.